Hello and welcome back to the Bitcoin Cash podcast following Bitcoin Cash on its rise to global reserve currency. Today is episode six. Uh, we're going to be talking about the transaction flipping and adoption. Uh, it's the 21st of February 2021 and I'm here with Matt. Matt, how are you doing, man? I'm great. It's pretty late, but um feeling good. Yeah, time zones, eh? Global, global <laughs> currency, Australia to London. Uh, yeah. Can- Canberra to London, yeah. So, what's what's your story with uh, cryptocurrency? Give us a bit of a rundown. What, what do you do? How did you get involved? Why are you on this podcast? Well, I'm I'm a almost total uh, noob. Well, I can't I can't quite say that. But uh, I, I have my first memory of it is in 2011. I heard a uh, a podcast about Bitcoin, and it was like a dollar at the time or something, mm-hmm. and. Um, it sounded like a very cool concept and then basically didn't hear about it at all until somebody where we used to work started their own um, token and um, I I got involved in that so I got my first wallet to buy some of their tokens on their ICO and uh, that's all that. I did. What, 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 and, what token is it? You know, you can uh, give it, you can Oh yeah, the, the, that's REN, yeah, um, R-E-N. R-E-N. Yeah. So I... I knew the founders and I hired them actually previously at my startup um, and so I bought a bit of that and then had to and just had a bit of Ethereum left over and that's all I have I don't think I have Bitcoin um, even mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, the Bitcoin cash thing I don't understand at all but I know it has really hardcore fans like yeah. <laughs> yourself uh, yeah. so I'd heard about the hardcore fans before and then found out that you were a hardcore fan uh, and so, yeah, I just uh, thought I'd like to learn more about it. So that could be fun to do live on an episode. Yeah. Well, you ca- it's funny because you, you came to me and you said, um, hey, look, if, you know, we were just chatting and you said, oh, listen, if uh, you need somebody to be on a, an episode to like convince them to buy Bitcoin cash, you know, I'm, I'm willing to be that person. And I found that really, really interesting because on each episode, I, I try and have a bit of a theme, right? And uh, one thing mm-hmm. that this podcast I think is is focused on that is maybe a bit of a, a different angle on cryptocurrencies that I have very little interest actually in convincing anybody to buy Bitcoin cash specifically to buy it as well just because mm-hmm. the you know one of the big it's not exactly a problem but it is an aspect of cryptocurrency is this sort of evangelistic uh, nature of it right where people go out and even though it's not a it's not a scam or a Ponzi scheme or anything like that. It is just a legitimate technology and it is a new form of money, which only happens in the entire planet, you know, once every thousand years or something. So it's not exactly something people are used to. Uh, but once it, you know, when it does happen, even though it's not a scam, there is still sort of a profit incentive. So when you go out, you tell somebody, oh, buy this shit, like, I, you know, and it's like, why do you want me to buy it? Well, because I've got it and then it will go up in value. And that's immediately just that same cycle of like, it's a, it's a scam or somebody else is trying to get me into it for their own reasons. That's, that's good. Well, it's good for cryptocurrency in the sense that it has pre-built marketing, right? Because people are incentivized to Mm. spread it around kind of like a social network or like anything that has a network effect. But I really think it's quite unfortunate and we can see right now in the current split between bitcoin and bitcoin cash as well that there's a very big difference between trying to get other people to buy in to buy in and creating a use case for them 
like for instance, <laughs> there were the classic one was buying drugs on the Silk Road, right? Where you're not trying to sell somebody, oh, this is an investment where we're all going to be millionaires. It's like, well, you you want to make these tra- trades, don't you? This is this is a tool that can that can do that for you. And the other thing I think about, we'll talk about it a little bit uh, later on as well. Is to me, it's not uh, because there's you know there's hundreds of cryptocurrencies and all this different stuff, and people get into it and really if you at a surface level they're all pretty much not that different from each other so if you hype somebody up like based on the price or whatever and they buy some and then the price goes up and then maybe it goes down well immediately they start feeling terrible and maybe they switch to a different currency currency or they change their mind or they whatever whatever and there's this whole series of like hard won battles that you have to go through when you get into cryptocurrency until eventually in my mind you get to the bottom of the, the process and you realize right bitcoin cash is the one but that i mean that's my personal opinion and i think what you're mm. saying about bitcoin cash having a lot of hardcore supporters that for me for me that it is because in that sort of funnel where people get into it because their mate hyped up this crypto or because bitcoin was going up or whatever whatever and then as it slowly sort of filters into them uh, they, they sort of get down to Bitcoin Cash, right? I don't think... You find a lot of people who are in Bitcoin Cash who previously liked some other kind of currency, but there's not many people who are like, I was all about Bitcoin Cash, and then I swapped over and went to Bitcoin or I went to Ethereum or, or whatever. That generally doesn't happen. Uh, people who are in this currency are hardcore about it and because they've been interested for a very long time. Um, and there's also a lot of very high productivity type members like there's a lot of developers and a lot of like people running businesses and stuff relative to the percentage of just you know idle speculators or casually interested mm. um people so yeah i mean i guess we'll, we'll get to that but i think that that is one a huge aspect uh of it so yeah we'll see um all right how that, to learn. How that uh, comes along all right so firstly firstly we have to talk about the price again i do this at the start of every episode even though like i say i don't think it's so much about the price but uh, the point of having it, uh, to be honest, is as a bit of a historical record. You know, I think when people come mm-hmm. back and they, the whole point of this podcast as well is that people can look back as time goes on, back to one month ago, one year ago, whatever, and see, look, what was on the mind of the community at that point in time? What was, uh, you know, the circumstances around it in crypto or in the world? I don't throw too much outside news in because it's not really... Uh, relevant directly but i think just following the price like for instance today is about 696 dollars and it was up to about 750 but i did my last podcast last week it was you know 500 dollars, right so it's gone up you know nearly 30 percent in this in this one week and there'll be some weeks where it goes down 30 percent uh as well for sure like at at one point or another but you know so i think as people listen to these podcasts uh especially if they like maybe binged, you know, narrative them, uh, you know, uh, once there was a few episodes that kind of came into it later, it would help them adjust to the idea that there is so much insane volatility. And I'm going to do a, an episode yeah. about, <laughs> about volatility and all the aspects of how you can handle that individually. You know, for a lot of people that get into it and it's really, <laughs> you know, screwing with their emotions because people aren't used to having even, even the most, you know, hyped up a penny stock or whatever, is still basically mm. peanuts compared to cryptocurrency. Um, yeah, yeah. See, that volatility thing was, um, I, I had a real use case yeah. for a cryptocurrency at my company. We had, we, um, 
had programmers that were working with for a very long time and then some bank disagreed with the bank or PayPal changed their policies and we could no longer send money mm. to Kosovo, the country they're in. Yeah. And it was almost impossible to send money there and I could not believe that in 2021 um, it was so hard to send money mm. um, because PayPal didn't do it. So a lot of those internet avenues, that was the only internet avenue we yeah. had. So I had to find some just money transfer company that's probably taking us for a total ride. Mm. But I thought, well, maybe we should just pay him in Bitcoin. That, that'd be way better. But the volatility, uh, and, like I wasn't sure about that. And I wasn't sure where to lo load that volatility on, mm. you know, because would they accept a salary in, in something that could be volatile or we can't take the risk of paying something that would go, we can't pay them in Bitcoin, right? Yeah. And then the value goes up a hundred times and we're, <laughs> we can't uh, meet it. So, yeah. um, so that was... That, that was funny. That was a real use case. And I, was, uh, I looked into it, but yeah, I had to go through the terrible money transfer stuff. Too. Yeah, I mean... That's where I ended up. Yeah, I mean, there are some, um, you know, workarounds for that in the sense of, like, one, one very interesting aspect. So one way to do it is you just use uh, Bitcoin, or in this case, probably Bitcoin Cash, because the, it would be so expensive on Bitcoin. It would be $10 a transaction um, minimum. But... Uh, let's say you're going to use uh, Bitcoin Cash, then you could do it where, well, if you had a coordinated time, then it's like you buy the Bitcoin Cash, you ping it over to them, and then they sell it on the other end. And then all you need is you have to have a, you know, a gateway from your fiat currency to your uh, cryptocurrency. And then they, if they have the same on their end or however, you know, whatever service, you just use the Bitcoin Cash as the like payment rail. Uh, and then provided you have a set time, then obviously, I mean, there's only going to be a minimum amount of volatility within 10 minutes, right? Even at the most volatile times in 10 minutes, it's still, <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. still relatively contained. So that's one idea. But there are also services that are trying to solve these kind of problems, right? There's one called mm, there must Any, be, yeah. Any Hedge, which is really good, which is this idea that uh, you can lock your um, coins to a certain fiat value. So you are holding in Bitcoin Cash, but as the value goes up, look, let's just bring my, I, I'm not a, an expert on this by any um, stretch of the imagination, but, oh, hang on, any hedge, uh, hedge plants, yeah. Any hedge, here we go, right. Um, so, but the idea is that if you, uh, you have this sort of setup, where, where is it here, get started, how it works, they have a, um, a little thing that shows you, okay, this kind of thing, right? So basically this is a bit technical, but the idea is that you can put in what currency you want. So let's say US dollars, but you can also do it against Bitcoin or against gold. And I'm sure they'll be adding more stuff uh, in here. And then you can say how much volatility you want, basically. So you could go with like 0% uh, volatility, or you could go with 100%. If you're using 100%, you wouldn't even use this service, right? But let's let's say you went maybe fifty percent, right? So if Bitcoin goes up two dollars, well, you would make one dollar, but you would have a certain you know floor that is guaranteed in your in your price. And the the point is that there's two sides to this trade. So one person can lock in their value as I want exactly a hundred dollars uh, worth of Bitcoin Cash, and then the other person is basically a speculator. You know, people want to trade on margin against the price of Bitcoin Cash, and so they want to borrow somebody's Bitcoin Cash and then pay back collateral if they get it wrong, right? So 
in that way, you have two people getting a service that they want, where one person is getting Bitcoin Cash locked at a stable rate, and the other person is getting the opportunity to speculate on the price of crypto, which people do on exchanges right. all the time anyway, yeah. right? And they, they will even yeah. pay uh, a margin fee to borrow that uh, currency so that they can short it or, or whatever. And if they are doing that, uh, then they'll pay a, a, an interest fee for that. So the person who's locking their Bitcoin cash at a certain uh, amount of fiat or any denominated value can also get paid interest for doing so. So this is, you know, there's, so there are, there are things, um, things like yeah, that out yeah. there, right? <clears throat> then, that, then that's the other issue. I mean, there's, there's just so many new things. It's so fluid. So many new things being invented every day. It's so exciting. Yeah. Um, I'm um, huge, huge optimist when it comes to this stuff. Uh, I could totally see it taking over the world, uh, but I don't know much about Bitcoin Cash specifically. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's, uh, I'll let you get yeah. on. Well, there's so many, there's so many hundreds of options. I mean, there's no agenda, <laughs> dude. Like we just, we just talk about whatever comes up, right? So this is obviously I've been following this story, and like I was saying with the, um, with the, uh, the episodes. To, well, I mean, today's you know February twenty uh, first. My first episode I think was about one month ago. And if you, you have a look at that, that is like down here, right? So the difference, and I said that first episode was about basically this graph uh, in large part where you can see, you know, Bitcoin Cash had gone from basically jack all to getting to actually suddenly seeing this growth in transactions and I predicted that it would keep uh, kicking off and it would surpass, uh, you know, regular Bitcoin BTC. And that that's what we've seen in under one month, right? This is obviously a pretty... Uh, quick growth and for the last week or so every day this last day technically it was slightly below but for all these days uh bitcoin uh cash has done more transactions than uh, bitcoin right so i mean obviously there's a lot of factors right. in, involved in that right so we'll discuss that, that that's the flipping this has been flipped well yeah that's that that's the idea right so is that yeah the, it came from again the first episode sort of has all this in uh in detail so yeah you can check that out to get a very long explanation of it but the short thing is that there's this idea in crypto uh -huh. that one coin could flip another like in transactions or in um you know like market cap is the classic one right so if we look on coin market oh, here we go if we look on coinmarketcap.com and you have a look at the top 10 rankings well then one coin would be like oh we flipped you know this other coin right let's say like Oh, look, see, Binance coin, they've just flipped Polkadot because now they're number three and these guys are number four, right? So it's a little bit tribal, to right. be honest, and a, a little bit of, it's a bit like sports-like almost, you know, my team scored more points than your team, uh, kind of an idea. But the... But couldn't it just be, uh, couldn't it just be a result of a cheaper transaction well, costs that, or something? Exactly. Or, or, or maybe that's what holding Bitcoin yeah. back, they're exactly. too expensive. Exactly, so yeah, that's... Right. That's sort of all factors in this in this dynamic, right? Is that if you are, well, it depends on how you look at it, right? If you are a Bitcoin BTC proponent, then you can say, well, Bitcoin is obviously more valuable than Bitcoin Cash, which it is also true, the price is higher uh, because the fact that people are willing to pay $10 transaction fees shows that it's so much better that they will, you know, that they will pay that cost in order to have the larger, more secure yes. network kind of an idea. And then people who are on the Bitcoin Cash side of affairs will say, well, look, it's not like people would, people are not using Bitcoin because the transaction fees are that high. If they were lower, that would actually be better, 
uh, that and that would go with everything else that was better about you know Bitcoin uh, Core in their mind, right? And that was why the the two coins split off because there's sort of divergent approach in in philosophy. So for instance, and okay, so we're gonna we're gonna get to this, but basically the the difference as well between the two in price is currently enormous, but the utility between the two, because of the, obviously with a lower transaction fee, more commerce is gonna happen. That's just a fact, right? If you have one, if you if you and I were gonna make a trade for $1, we just, well, I guess we could use Bitcoin, but we're not exactly gonna pay $10 to send you $1, and then you can't even send it anywhere because it would cost, you need to put in another $9 even to send it, right? So all, all of that uh, potential economic activity just doesn't occur in BTC Core and has now found its kind of home in Bitcoin Cash. And then in my uh, projection or my uh, prediction is that obviously you, you start small and once you've captured that small market, there's no like cap on Bitcoin Cash. There is a floor on Bitcoin Core, but there's no cap. So obviously it starts eating up the smaller transactions and then once that's all happening well people don't want to switch just to do a bigger transaction that doesn't really make any sense so then they start doing the bigger ones and the big ones and the big ones and historically this is how bitcoin the original one before the two ever split was was that there was the fees were super low and that's how it went from you know zero cents to to a thousand dollars or more right uh because it started doing those small trades between a couple of people and then it sort of slowly built up over time, right? Um, so yeah, so when we zoom out and look at this in perspective, essentially the story is that since the split, which is in here in uh, early 2017, I think was when they actually split off, but there was uh, ruckus and community discussion for a long time before that. Uh, but mm. when, it, when it got to that breaking point of uh, fine, we're <laughs> like, screw you guys, we're, we're gonna do it ourselves. Because there was, so, I mean, it's just, it's just game theory, right? If you try and negotiate with somebody and at a certain point, negotiations break down to, right, negotiating is not working, right? We've just got to, we just got to do it our way and you can do it your way. And, and let's just, let's just do it like that. And I think one of the huge aspects of cryptocurrency, why I believe in it uh, so strongly as I do as a whole, as well as Bitcoin Cash specifically, is that when I think about in the early days of Bitcoin, I would think what, what could it, what could be better than Bitcoin? What could outcompete this basically? Cause I could see how Bitcoin could outcompete the U S dollar. And then you sort of think what could outcompete uh, Bitcoin? So an obvious answer is other cryptocurrencies, right? Uh, and that's mm. one angle to it. But luckily one of the answers also is a better version of Bitcoin because uh, mm. Bitcoin, you can't really split the US dollar into two competing versions and say, just have at it, right? Like the US government is not going to run some parallel AB experiment of the US dollar and the US dollar plus or something like that, where yeah, half of yeah, it is yeah. accepted at, you know, for cannabis uh, repository, what are they called? You know, cannabis um, shops or whatever. And the other half isn't. And we'll just see whether people really want to do it. They can't do that. But in cryptocurrency, we can do that. And in fact, it's, it's even, it's not necessarily encouraged but I think it's very important to the philosophy of market competition that people always have the option to go their own way and split up. And it has happened in a, in a few different coins. Like obviously it happened in Bitcoin, it's happened in Ethereum for completely different reasons, but it was the same kind of result. And the 
the critical aspect of the split uh, is that one side generally gets to keep the brand name, which is huge because obviously to people, mm. you know, such as yourself or to anybody else, the brand name has enormous weight, right? You know that, you've heard of that, you trust that, whatever. Yeah, well, now that you say that, uh, <laughs> I, I guess I assumed like most people would, Bitcoin Cash stemmed from Bitcoin. Yeah. Right, that it was Bitcoin's doing its thing, and then Bitcoin Cash like split off, yeah, bailed or like split off. But, but the way you're saying it there makes much more sense that they 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 were one. Like yeah. <laughs> it's hard to imagine they were they were kind of they're fungible. They were, they were exactly the same thing. Yeah, and they could have been called opposite things. That's right. And uh, yeah. just, they they maybe should have both gotten new names. That that would have made that psychological thing a bit more obvious. But well, that's right. Uh, that yeah. that's very interesting. And that's why yeah. there's a lot of uh, rancor specific well i guess on both sides of the i always try to present i mean, obviously i'm enormously biased to one side of this argument but i do try and uh fill in i will have somebody on the podcast as well who is a big uh, bdc person at some point so we can just discuss and you know let the let the listeners make up their own mind right but there is a lot of rancor over this split for this exact reason which is that the bitcoin cash side they think well we are really the real bitcoin right and so they're constantly sort of uh, you know, but was something changed technologically? Like, is there a technological difference? Or? Well, now, now that and the thing is, over time they're starting to diverge. But at the time of the split, right. the issue was over this one megabyte cap to the uh, size of the Bitcoin blocks. And so this is what you can see here: is that since this um, fork, Bitcoin basically has like flatlined in transactions, right? If you think three years of Bitcoin and it hasn't really been processing any more transactions than it was three years ago, if we had a graph of the previous three years, it would look like this, where it was just rocketing up constantly as more and more people got involved, more commerce was happening, whatever. And so then at a certain point, if we extended this graph back earlier, it stopped happening on Bitcoin. And that's when the Bitcoin cash, uh, you know, start, started up, right? The momentum for that. Um, on the idea for that started up. So the split was originally over this uh, one megabyte uh, limit. So this is why now we're seeing that the two have met at this point that they're doing roughly the same amount of transactions. But in theory, Bitcoin will still be flat because it can't, it can't process any more attractions. And Bitcoin Cash has, you know, upside potential, right? It can keep accepting more commerce. That's the mm. theory. That's an insane graph. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on in... Uh... July 2018. Yeah, well, but, um, this is maybe yeah, just some sort of like I think this was just network, tr uh, tr you know, testing basically because the Bitcoin Cash uh, community was sort of like their goal is for the transaction to be up here or up here, you know, or off the graph eventually. Oh, so, so maybe they, they just yeah, they pumped just it pumped it around the network I think to just uh, test it out and uh. prove that it was uh, viable. But this here, this is more like uh, looks like real adoption, right? This is obviously just we. You know, we were just testing, yeah. but this is sort of, it's starting to take off. So it doesn't even quite look exponential though. It looks like a, like a straight yeah, line. I, well, yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, well, maybe yeah. on a bigger time frame, I think it will look a bit more exponential, but yeah. uh, I, I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot okay. of factors in this, right? But so that's what's the thing. So now if we look here, see, this is another interesting aspect of this story again, is that, so Bitcoin has just been flat in basically the amount of USD sent over the network as well for this whole time and you can see recently it has and a big part of that uh, has gone up and the big part of that is that the price has increased basically because 
the more the price of the of an individual coin increases, the more total value there is encompassed in the network. So the more you can send around, right? As well as when the right. when the price yeah. increases, uh, obviously that will also come with either going up or down as the volatility increases there's more reasons for people to send it around, right? People are like trying to panic buy in, people are trying to panic sell, everybody's getting excited, the media's kicking off, right? So when there's a lot of hype and a lot of uh, volatility in the price, then that also tends to kick off activity on the network, right? And so uh, so they have seen mm. actually some pretty decent, you know, substantial uh, growth here. But to me, obviously, the big part of the story is here where Bitcoin Cash was doing absolutely nothing and now that uh, Bitcoin has hit its uh, limit, and as well the fees have uh, correspondingly gone up, then that's sort of the opportunity for Bitcoin Cash, which all these years has had this philosophy of, uh, you know, a different approach to how the fees were managed and what the goal of the currency is and whatever, whatever. Even though I thought, but it's that one megabyte limit you were talking yeah. about before. Is that they've hit that? issue that they foresaw that caused yeah, the fall. Yeah, so Bitcoin, Bitcoin had hit that yeah. issue three years ago and Bitcoin Cash oh, split right. off to get around that issue. But because Bitcoin Cash was the uh, smaller coin, right, it was it, it got didn't get the brand name. Uh, and even though there was a lot of support in the community and in the um, and in the like business infrastructure and everything like that, for a lot of different reasons, they ended up on the small side of the fork. And as a result, they at the start had much uh, less, you know, transacting going on, right? And so, uh, so at this t- at the time when it was a when it was in contention, when the split happened, it was an issue, but it wasn't a critical issue yet. And so the Bitcoin Cash community split at that time in anticipation of the future goal of trying to be a global reserve currency. Whereas the Bitcoin community, they had their own ideas about how to manage that scenario, and what we've seen over time is that it's sort of degenerated. It's been this kind of backsliding to uh, we're going to be a store of value and digital gold, right? There was five years ago, nobody was telling you Bitcoin was going to be digital gold. In fact, if anything, it was like, don't use gold, use Bitcoin because of all these different, you know, differences between them, right? Mm. Like we already have gold and that's good for its own reasons, but we've got Bitcoin, which is a new thing. And now given, you know, how things have played out and the distinction between the two is starting to polarize, Bitcoin Cash has more of that digital cash idea, which is what it was before, you know, 2017. And what the white paper says, Bitcoin, a peer-to-peer electronic cash system, right? Uh, And then Bitcoin, they obviously have their own um, take on it, right? But anyway, so there's a lot, Mm. there's a lot in the... um, you can you can read about you know that or you can you can read about that and just look at some of my previous episodes there's tons about it the first episode uh, especially goes into uh, detail about all this um so yeah but anyway so the the usd is obviously growing so you can see here quite uh, importantly is that so bitcoin cash has been growing and this uh bitcoin is doing maybe about 30 billion right in daily um volume and bitcoin cash is getting up to eight to ten Billion. So the multiplier here is about 3x, right? Where the amount of uh, tr- transacting going on in Bitcoin Cash is about, you know, roughly a, a third. It was down here, it was a quarter to a fifth. Now it's up to a third of the same um, amount. And what's very important is that the price difference between these two right now is about 85 to 1. So Bitcoin Cash costs right, yeah. about, you know, you can get one Bitcoin for the price you can get 85 Bitcoin Cash. 
and yet this is doing one third of the actual real value of the real economic activity every single day you know uh so and i mean obviously it's going to be lower because the price is lower and also because like i was explained before it's got a home for those smaller transactions so those are going to happen on the network that supports it um but i think the flippening sort of in the huge sense of the issue is that eventually bitcoin cash will have this graph higher than bitcoin it'll have every single graph higher than bitcoin and then by the time it has that eventually (laughs) sooner or later the price is going to catch on people are going to think what's the point of bitcoin if we have uh have bitcoin cash but that 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 is my theory and uh you know do your own due diligence right so okay so here we go i don't know what what do you think about uh elon musk he's been a running theme on the podcast the last couple of couple of days are you a huge elon musk believer i i am yeah i uh I like what he's doing and I wish him all the yeah. the luck. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you've been following, but in the last couple of months, he's he's sort of caught the crypto bug himself and his Twitter feed has become yeah. this sort of hype train for uh, <laughs> for cryptocurrency. You know, he was uh, he was bringing up Dod, uh, Dogecoin a lot. Uh, and then <laughs> even on the last episode or the one before, I think it was, I don't know, but he bought a bunch of Bitcoin. Um, you know yeah so I saw that's that, obviously yeah. going a step towards legitimizing it and obviously there's a bit a lot of back and forth right bitcoin itself bdc is now at all-time highs like fifty six thousand dollars or something like that probably at least partly as a result of uh the momentum that he's generated other companies now got to think about getting involved all that um but one thing that uh obviously the bitcoin cash community is interested in is the idea that, well, Elon's a smart guy and I think he's gonna figure figure it out just like what I was explaining to you uh, before, whether he has or hasn't already. I mean, I sort of tend to the view that maybe he has, but even even so, it's still a pretty good big step for Tesla to be putting a billion into, he wasn't gonna say, oh, I've just got a bunch of Bitcoin cash and I never even bought Bitcoin like that. I can't see that happening when it was already breaking so much ground you know, to sell to his investors and stuff like that. Like we're going to get into cryptocurrency, but, uh, mm. so it's, it, who knows? He's a, he's a bit of a joker, right? He definitely has his own, uh, style <laughs> of how he does things, but he did yesterday or the day before, maybe he, uh, changed his Twitter picture from the SpaceX rocket to this, uh, uh, <laughs> fork sticking in the road, which was, uh, known in, uh, there's t- actually two articles. Uh, one by Mike Hearn, who was a huge... He, unfortunately, left uh, the Bitcoin Cash community. I hope he comes back. Mike, if you ever watch this uh, video, mate, good to have you back. But um, he he wrote one of the original implementations of this is how we're going to split off at the time when uh, we they were trying to do... It was sort of like a vote on the Bitcoin network. It was sort of like, because everybody was so undecided... They thought, look, why don't we just have two different options that run on the same network and people can run them both and we'll see, you know, it's like a, a decentralized vote, you know, if everybody's running the, that they want to indicate to move to the bigger blocks, then we can follow that. And if people don't, yeah, yeah. and so he made that, he made the software, uh, it was called Bitcoin XT to do that. And then it sort of got subjected to this huge amount of abuse and a bit of a disinformation campaign and everything like that. And that's how it sort of degenerated into Right, we're just splitting off, like, because obviously you're not even interested in discussing, let alone, um, let alone, you know, being reasonable or, or adjusting your position, right? 
but anyway, so basically he wrote an article which was discussing about the fork and everything about that. And another guy called Vinny Lingham, so people can load up these, uh, the links are on the slides, uh, which are on bitcoincashpodcast.com for anybody who wants to find the slides with all the links. Uh, and so they both, they both use this picture. Uh, and I mean, it's just a picture of a fork in a row. There's a thousand places Elon could have found. It's a pretty common, you know, stock image, but uh, it certainly seems, uh, prescient a little bit uh you know yeah i mean why else would he put it there it depends what he's talking about i guess but, i mean yeah he could yeah, he he's... could just you know maybe he's just playing around with everyone or, or who knows and he had this video this week well he said uh i see crypto as a replacement for cash and i mean the bitcoin cash community jumped on that i think if you watch the clip again the link is uh down here in the description what he's sort of talking about is he's talking about the illegal and the legal market where he says, look, if in the past, if you had in some countries, you had transactions going on, like let's say in Amsterdam, you can buy some magic mushrooms. And then in another country, you can't have that transaction, but you, if you have cash, even though, okay, with it's different fiat currencies, right? But basically in uh, Amsterdam, you can use cash to buy magic mushrooms and you can use that same cash to buy a house in uh, the UK. So in that way, cash can serve, support both use cases. And that's very important because obviously legal regulation differs around the world. So there needs to be some way to sort of arbitrage. Right. You can't have a currency which is only used to buy illegal stuff because if, you, if that was the case, at some point, somebody on the chain is selling the illegal stuff and needs to buy food or a house. They need to be back in the legalized uh, market. So you've got to have uh, something that can do both. And cash historically served that Right. functionality but now cash is going extinct because uh you know everything's becoming digitized people are just using their phone balances and, and whatever right and so the market needs mm -hmm. some sort of intermediary like that and he says well that's the function that bitcoin um serves which again sort of ties into that that yeah, uh, yeah. well firstly it's very uh insightful by him because it is uh that, that's what we've seen, you know, that one of the first major use cases for Bitcoin was buying drugs. It was fulfilling that exact function. And now we're seeing it expand into you can pay your bills or you can order food or buy a gift card or whatever with uh, Bitcoin Cash. But the other thing is that, so I don't think it was exactly as strong as saying Bitcoin should be cash or anything. I think he's just making a point about it needing to swap over. But I do also think that Elon is a, is a smart guy and he's an engineer, so I'm sure... It, if he hasn't already at some point uh well, he probably already has he's going to read the white paper and he's also going to think about how can i take this global because that's his nature right he he doesn't do things that like the oh i made this cool thing it's more like we're going to have every person on the you know we're getting the entire humanity to mars it's like we're going to start with one rocket but eventually everyone's <laughs> going to be there right um, yeah yeah i mean like the the sort of I, for the little I know about Bitcoin, it really does seem, at least from a um, like a narrative perspective, to be the next logical yeah. step. Yeah, it's just of, of just finance. Um, but yeah, maybe I don't know. Is SpaceX gonna split into two companies? <laughs> you know, well, that's, that's right. <laughs> Could be any. Maybe he just dropped his fork. Maybe he was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and may, you know, I I wouldn't put it past him to be just you know poking the bear a little bit and. Just trying to run. Oh yeah, he the does that all the time. Community, so that's a that's that's a classic. But <laughs> I, I can, 
I don't know. I think the only thing that matters to me is that it's on his mind because I think if it's on his mind, sooner or later, like I said about that funnel, he's going to get to the bottom of the funnel. And because he's a smart dude, I think he's actually going to do it pretty quick. Uh, but I think there's a big difference between that and obviously, you know, announcing that he supports it or buying a billion of it and mm. putting it in Tesla or, you know, whatever else. Like, obviously, uh, all, all other things aside... Bitcoin does actually work for a Tesla purchase because paying a $10 fee to buy a Tesla is fine. Um, and obviously he knew he would rile up the community. Um, but I think... Yeah. The only explanation in my head that... for uh, The only reason someone wouldn't buy Bitcoin, and I guess this is the reason I haven't really, um, is that I don't know if it's something that's just... I mean, the only the only the only possible reason you wouldn't buy it is if it's going to vanish or go to zero yeah. or some some bug is found or I don't know some some disaster happens that yeah. just wipes it out. That's kind of otherwise it's it's so useful and <laughs> it's infinitely scalable and like the obvious next step. So maybe uh, any kind of uh, acknowledgement from Elon Musk, who is seen as like the whole technocrat yeah. future thing is is like yeah is is sort of removing that concern that might be holding back yeah millions yeah. of people and i mean that and that 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 is what it is right that's the theme of this episode is is talking about adoption and new users and so on and that that is quite an important uh aspect to it which is what i was saying at the start of the podcast is the reason uh i have uh, the tagline you know is the the global reserve currency is that I do think that that's what it's going to be. It's going to spread to every single person everywhere. And it's sort of very interesting to watch this entire story. It has been since uh, 2013 for me or for at whatever point other people started following it, that seeing a technological shift on a sort of civilization scale, right? That money is used mm. everywhere in the world by every single person pretty much. And if you have that, uh, that, like the the reason that money is money is something that a lot of people never think about, right? It's just well that everyone else uses it, so I use it, right? But that didn't come from nowhere. Yeah, yeah. People didn't start, you know, in the in the jungle trading uh, pieces of paper with dead presidents' heads on them, or you know, yeah. anything like that. They, they didn't even start with gold, even though that was for a time that was the thing. Or they didn't start with shells necessarily. Yeah, Some yeah. communities. Just use an oral ledger where everybody just agrees. Oh, the tribal elder, maybe he says who mm -hmm. owes who what. You know, there there's a hundred different systems for for money, and we are you know seeing a new one being born right here. And the the price mm -hmm. of uh, cryptocurrency, especially if you don't take just Bitcoin, but let's say you take the entire cryptocurrency scene as a whole, that is basically a measure of the awareness in the global population that this is the shift we're in the middle of. And of course, it's been rocketing up over it's a multi-year time frame because just yeah. you, you don't really go backwards. You don't, you can get into crypto and you can get obsessed about it and talk about it and shout about it like we talked about. But even in the very worst case where you try Bitcoin, maybe you bought some, it crashed, you got, you know, uh, disappointed about it, you sold out or anything like that. Even in the very worst case, you, you can't go back to saying it's not a thing or it doesn't, there was for years, there was, this is not a thing, or it's a scam, or it's going to go away, yeah, or, yeah. 
whatever reasonings people had you you can't un yeah. you can't unhear about bitcoin and you also can't unuse it once you've sent some crypto to somebody else even if you never send another cryptocurrency transaction in your life you're you're always you're not going to say oh these other people doing this evil cryptocurrency because you just know oh, i did that <laughs> you know i'm part of that yeah, yeah. crowd i i kind of get it right so and, and in the history of money it wasn't it wasn't that everything had to be totally not, not, not all of it was just totally natural and just it um and it just evolved i mean governments and and groups made big decisions that changed how money worked yeah. all the time because i was re i read um what made me realize that because i just assumed that it started as shells and then it evolved into copper and then into gold and then uh onto computer uh, paper and then onto computers you know that, that kind of trajectory mm. um but then i was reading benjamin franklin's autobiography yeah. he was one of the first people to write an autobiography and just on the side you know he <laughs> the one thing I, I read that and i was like no wonder Americans love this guy. Yeah. Holy crap, he was amazing! Like all the stuff he did. But um, in in uh, he, he just mentions in passing, like it wasn't even a highlight of his life because mm. <laughs> he just did so much stuff. But he was involved in the debate about whether to move just to paper Currency, money. Yeah, uh, like that was happening around that time, mm. and it was a decision they had to all think about. And people were sitting, and some of them were arguing, you know. You're, mo you're moving. We're moving too far away from gold. Everything's going to collapse. Mm. And they were thinking that, you know, in the 1700s. So, uh, I, I, this this kind of looks like the next steps of of that, where people think this can't work because it's too far removed from value or or whatever it is. And um, and it's the same worries that people had 300 years ago. Yeah, yeah and it, it, I mean that's just their version of Bitcoin versus Bitcoin Cash in some sense as well. Is oh, are we having the yeah, US yeah. dollar or are we having gold backed notes or or whatever? And I mean, people who would, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, paper currency had its has had you know phenomenal success, right? You can't deny that. But the other thing you can be assured of is that if you had a gold bar in the 1700s and you still had it today, you'd be doing fine. If you had uh, whatever currency they had then, you know. Like mm. people know, even from the, you know, that old classic story of, oh, when I was a kid, it was $1 to buy a, you know, a huge burger at the, you know, <laughs> my granddad bought yeah, a movie yeah, ticket yeah. for 20 cents or whatever. And then now it's, you know, it's depreciated magnitudes over that time. But if you had a gold bar, then you were still right. fine in the future. And then that sort of gets into, okay, so you have a limited supply currency. And if the government is not inflating it away and stealing everybody, uh, that's a bit loaded for me to say it like that, but you know, it's taking, <laughs> taking people's value and all that sort of stuff, you know, and then that's why cryptocurrency, uh, you know, started as it, as it did. And the, one of the, one of the many reasons for its phenomenal, uh, success is the idea that we are returning to a more, um, more powerful or a more fundamentally solid monetary system. And that is why the cryptocurrency economy, despite all the scams and all the doubt and all the, you know, <laughs> dismissal has just boomed at an insane rate because the efficiency of the functional currency in that economy is so much higher that that just snowballs mm. out of control, obviously, uh, because it's like, to me, I, I imagine it, it's, it is, it's like being on one of those, uh, not a treadmill, but you know, one of those things they have at the airport, like a, where it has a really long runway and you can stand on it and it just sort of carries you along. Right. Uh, 
Do you know what I'm talking about? Those little walkway, automated walkway things. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, if you're on the, if you're on the, you know, the the government currency, you're on one of those uh, treadmills, but you're walking the wrong way. You're walking against the thing because your currency is fundamentally depreciating away from under you. So everything is a battle to mm. get rid of it and try and <laughs> give it away to someone else. And that's why our uh, financial system has become so financialized in terms of. Uh, let's see, investing in stocks, for instance, right? People think you've got to invest yeah. in stocks for your retirement or whatever because that's the safe thing. But that's that's completely right, backwards, right. right? Investing is the is the practice of taking risk. So saving money should be the safe thing, but it's no longer safe to just leave your money to just l- l- let it yeah, sit. Yeah. It's just not. And that's uh, that's what it is. And then in contrast, cryptocurrency is the opposite where let's say you put some of your cash into... Uh, cryptocurrency or you start transacting in that economy then it's the treadmill but you're going the other way you're walking with the treadmill so it's zipping you along at a increased speed even over what you're doing because let's say you had a bitcoin business in 2013 well all else being aside the value of your base savings has exploded a thousand percent so yeah (laughs) you're now you're now your life is getting easier not harder and that's kind of comes back to, yeah, the whole idea of a monetary system. And people have these arguments about, well, if we had a gold-based system, it would be, you know, better and all that. But there's not actual real-world evidence for that for people who are not, you know, willing to read up on the history or t- try it all out or whatever. And that's the whole point of cryptocurrency is that it's an actually viable, implementable uh, version of that, of that kind of thing. Right? Okay, so... There's this site, I don't know if you, well, you probably wouldn't have heard of it, but it's called read.cash and it's partly responsible for that massive growth in transactions that we were talking about um, before. Ah, And and what it is, is let's just load it up right now, is basically it's kind of like Reddit or like WordPress or anything like that, but it's just a blogging platform uh, and we'll see here, it's going to load up, uh, I think I've got about 10 bucks, but... uh, People are writing, okay, I got $10, but people are writing up their, uh, their articles, which, uh, let's say a lot of it is about Bitcoin cash because it is, was founded by a guy who's into Bitcoin cash. But basically the idea is that you can write an article and then everybody can send you tips at the bottom. So, uh, this IRL fiam two, um, she's actually, this is the same one that wrote that, uh, previous article there. And you write an article, and then at the bottom, look here, people can send in. So she's got $2 worth of tips. I think this is the same one. Anyway, uh, she had the, all these tips here. Um, and people can, you know, tip you for, for writing good content, right? So it's a directly monetized journalism of a sorts, I suppose. Yeah. Um, without, you know, needing an advertising uh, model or anything like that. And see obviously this kind of thing what is no longer feasible on btc core it's feasible on bitcoin cash though because the fees are still under a cent uh obviously if there was ten dollar fees this kind of thing doesn't work uh but then everybody's starting to contribute these little yeah here we go see here's this related article that i linked um people are starting to you know contribute in this economy and in this way uh because bitcoin cash is so much more yeah, easy to transact then obviously you also couldn't really do this with paypal because maybe somebody wrote some article that paypal wouldn't agree with everybody has to sign up for a paypal account yeah yeah yada 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 and so 
So is Bitcoin Cash protected from that large transaction? Cost? Um, cost well, that's yeah. we, we're going to wait and see, right? And that's where it's the BTC core people might right. say to you, no, definitely not. And they would have their reasons for that. But I, I think that, yes, gen- generally speaking, yes, uh, the plan is to raise the block size. And if we get up to those full blocks and we'll raise it again, and then the community is looking into other ways to be able to handle a, you know, a global scale of transaction volume, right? That's not going to happen overnight. But the idea is that uh, if, if in the long run is to maintain those very, very, very small fees as a priority because it allows use cases like this and it allows people to actually transact in and for it to become more of a daily uh, currency, right? So... Uh, yeah, that's you can you can read up on that uh, in your own time. There's a lot of factors to that. I'm sure I'll do episodes uh, discussing that too as well. But the anyway, the point is that so there is this kind of uh, microblogging t- type of platform going on, and uh, this uh, girl here, she's in the Philippines, and she uh, has written this uh, article, one of a bunch of good ones, which where she went out and handed out. Uh, leaflets about Bitcoin Cash to a bunch of people and documented how it went and there's a YouTube video and everything. You can look at it, it's really good. Uh, but she got $144 of tips, right? Which is one of the highest I've, I've seen on the site. Uh, but that directly came from the community for her doing good work, being a contributor in the community. So if you think about uh, an economy let's say like a country's economy, the value of that currency is basically proportional. There's no actual value to that currency. The currency is the value of all the people who are involved in it, who are working on businesses and building things and creating goods and services, right? So the Bitcoin cash economy is doing that. And same as the Bitcoin economy, same as every cryptocurrency in theory are all competing on this same base in the long term. In the short term, there's a lot of speculation and hype. But in the long term, people are competing on this idea of building an actual usable thing that you can trade around. And one of the interesting parts about it is that the rich holders of a currency like this guy who, uh, Mark Demisel, uh, shout out to him. I think he's listened to the podcast before, if he listens, shout out Mark, uh, is that a big holder of the currency is actually incentivized to spread the wealth sort of downwards in the sense that if he is already making money, he's already profitable or he has a lot of Bitcoin cash, it's much better for him to help other people in the economy who are doing good work uh, get funding and then that lets them do more good work and then that raises the value of everybody's holdings, right? Because it's a limited supply and nobody's centrally in charge of it. So as a result, mm. uh, I, I told my mate about this idea and he said, yeah, it's almost kind of like a pyramid scheme. And again, it kind of comes back to the whole scam angle, but it is, but it's the opposite where the people at the bottom are benefiting from joining the economy rather than being the suckers at the end. Because if you uh, switch in then, and you're on a more fundamentally sound monetary system, if you do good work and you get um, rewarded, you can get rewarded directly from other, other parts of the economy. And then... Yeah. Is there anything in principle stopping Bitcoin doing... like? Uh, well, this was transaction size, yeah. I guess. But um, I, I, is there also less of this community drive in well, Bitcoin Cash? Uh, in BTC Core, uh, sorry, I think, in Bitcoin yeah, Core. I think there is. Yeah. And that's one of the two reasons that even though right now, well, it's hard to tell exactly who is the bigger or the smaller kind of currency, right? But the, the price differential would indicate there should be, like I said before, 85 times more people 
on Bitcoin Core being productive, uh, you know, starting businesses, doing this, that, and the other thing. Um, but in my mind, when the split happened between uh, BTC Core and Bitcoin uh, Cash way back in the day, most of the sort of productive part of the economy, the you know, the developers, well, not all of them, but a significant chunk of the developers, a significant chunk of the business people, a significant chunk of the people who are actually using it as currency, they went with the Bitcoin cash side and the Bitcoin side, it was more like riding on the brand value like we discussed about before, right? And I think that right. disparity has only increased over time because of course, people going to Bitcoin, that they don't have any narrative or any stuff like this going on to them. It's mostly about, uh, you know, store of value and gold, and we're going to put it in a vault and wait. But that, that, does, that doesn't work. It worked for gold. And the reason it worked for gold is because gold used to be like this. And people still know that. So there's a bit of a history there, right? But there's no, at least in my perspective, again, somebody who uh, was a big supporter of Bitcoin would maybe have a different opinion. But uh that you know to them that that is the value that we can all lock it in a vault and as long as we have enough people all locking it together in a vault well then the price is going to keep going up because there's a limited supply but that's not actually creating utility as definitely not creating economic uh growth or or having this same effect that i mentioned where uh you know right, powerful right. contributors in the community and it doesn't matter it's decentralized right so uh, for instance, she's doing um, these leaflets right in the Philippines, which is amazing because you know she can speak to people in Filipino and you know uh, approach the local market in whatever sense you know it makes sense to her in that case. Uh, and then I'm doing this podcast, and then other people starting businesses, or everybody's you know chipping in. Uh, in, in a funny way, it's actually even maybe uh, it has sort of like that communist element of you know to each according to his needs and from each you know according to his capability right uh it is that idea you can contribute whatever you want uh and to any extent you want if you want to be just buy some and sit on it you can do that but ultimately if you want the currency to be successful you've got to be a bit more proactive about that and it's very important that your currency is full of like you're saying about people being hardcore you know that that's that's a great thing i think is it shows that People are, they're committed to the, the vision and the, the project. And it is, it is the, well, it's not really lucky, but it is the case that in some sense, the more you give, the more you can receive with this, kind, with this exact project, because there is a financial incentive, but the more uh, you contribute, like this uh, lady here with the, the, um, the leaflets and everything like that, I don't know whether or whether whether or not that was the most effective strategy, but the point is that I sent I sent her two dollars because I thought, wow, this is amazing. You know that that's showing a lot of passion, a lot of initiative, and sh you know she'll be uh, rewarded for that. And see, well, that was great. And then mm -hmm. let's say the the thing is this then multiplies on itself if the currency of Bitcoin Cash, if the price rises relative to especially to fiat currencies, but let's say also relative to other cryptocurrencies then the people who were there contributing and getting paid in Bitcoin Cash, then their wealth even increases further. So then they have even more resources to keep uh, spreading around their contribution yes. and, and, and then to start uh, contributing out to other people, you know? So yeah, it's a very powerful ecosystem like that. Yeah, right. I haven't thought about it like yeah. that. Right, so anyway, this is amazing. So uh, well done. Yeah, and uh, I think it, you know Bitcoin Cash seems to be killing it in the Philippines on this read.cash. There's quite a lot of uh, 
articles I had a look at a few from different people in the in the Philippines because that's the kind of country again where it does sort of make sense that relatively they're not super well connected to the financial system and um, you know the cost of living is lower so a smaller amount of uh, Bitcoin cash goes goes further there and it's also a case where right, know, BTC right. is obviously not going to be making inroads I just certainly don't know of anybody on the streets of the Philippines uh, you know spreading uh, Bitcoin awareness uh, like this so yeah you know just interesting so yeah this kind of comes to this idea that I think there's been a shift in mindset towards cryptocurrency it's always happening it's always a process uh, but I think especially in the last year or so i think that I, I sort of feel like the dam is starting to break because uh yeah i mean in 2013 so for eight years and it'll be coming up to sort of nine years so almost a decade i've been involved and the whole thing has been going for 12 years and that's a that's a long time that's a lot of people just hearing about it oh i don't know about it da 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 da, da. and there was just years and years of Oh, it's a scam. It's not going to work. So you know, whatever. But time, time always levels the playing field. And the longer things go on, you can't you can't ignore it forever, right? The when you hear about something the first time, you think, all right. The second time, the fifth time, the twentieth time, the hundredth time, the five hundredth time. Uh, obviously, everybody has their individual circumstances into how much they get involved or what their use case is at that particular time. But it is it, it, it doesn't it doesn't die it doesn't go away, and so, I mean now just being twenty twenty one I even put a bit of credence in the fact that it's just a new decade, is that people have, you know, some sense of we are living in the in the future you know in the twenty thirteen the twenty twenties were some far distant future, but now we're living in it so it makes sense that something like cryptocurrency is more like well why aren't we thinking about that you know sort of coming to that same narrative of oh it's a scam that's just not going to truck anymore uh and anybody who is still saying that kind of thing is sooner or later just gonna is is on the wrong side of the fence where everybody's gonna start looking at them like you're just behind the time you're just outdated you know it's like like saying uh, the internet is the thing after the year 2000, right? It's just before then, maybe there was a bit more, uh, I don't know, I wasn't, <laughs> I was too young. I wasn't necessarily in the mix with all that, right? But there's a certain point at which the narrative shifted. Your sound's cut out, man. Uh, I don't know if you... All right, yeah. Yeah, you're back. Is that yeah. better? I was... Because I had that... Um that uh that token ran i had some ran and and i thought i better understand more about what decentralized finance is so i was watching these videos on, on DeFi, and um it was talking about the history of it and it started what, what year did it start 2009 or something oh, bitcoin yeah um, it was 2009 yeah it was the white paper was that that blew yeah. me away i'm <laughs> i'm a little older yeah. than you maybe i don't know eight years older than you or something but that it, it blew me away how recent that was because you know I, I I moved to Canberra before then, right? And then uh, the the whole Ethereum only started like five years like ago, twenty five or six years ago, four, thirteen or twenty fourteen. I was trading Ethereum in twenty fourteen, so I think it was like 20, 2013 oh, okay. that okay. it started, maybe. Yeah, but I think it started getting well, it started getting prominence maybe in about 2015, 2016 was when it started uh, increasing in value. Okay, yeah, it's just totally ridiculous how fast that is. Like it's. <laughs> 
Maybe yeah, I wasn't insane. trading Ethereum at that time. Maybe it was 2015. I don't know. We have to uh, look that up. It was so great to be watching a history video that was talking about two months ago yeah. as like important <laughs> history in in the industry. It was yeah, great. That's right, and that's part of what this podcast is about. Like I referenced before, that I think it's a it's a it is a bit of a history, right? And uh, this is this the most incredible story on the planet, basically, in my mind, uh, that started, yeah, in 2009. And I've been avidly following it all that time. I can't believe I didn't figure out, look, we should, I should just start documenting this earlier, right? But I don't know, I had, I had other stuff right. going on in my life, right? But now I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah, well, we, we should make this. And I think the, the, the proof is sort of in the pudding, right? Where if people come to it and they're wondering, what is this all about? they'll be able to listen to the latest episode and see, okay, this is where things are at. And then if they're interested, if they go down the rabbit hole, which tends to happen a bit with cryptocurrency, then they could go back to some of the earlier episodes and see mm. two weeks ago, what was the prize? What was being talked about? What were the guests on the show? What was their kind of vibe, right? Uh, that All that sort of stuff. And then, and as time goes on, there'll be more and more of that until it'll be, oh, okay, we can look up this and then look at the two years ago, the the prediction of that i mean there are other podcasts and other news sources stuff that be running on a long time right so people can find those and and look into that but it i mean even if you just look at the price graph uh again you sort of have to think of it not from the value of this huge speculative bubble but if you think of it in the sense of global awareness of cryptocurrency and this being some sort of uh rough measure of that it's been just exploding basically not exactly since inception, but since it acquired a market price effectively. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I, I think that's just been it. And yeah, it's funny. We're talking about Ethereum, you know, he's like the founder of Ethereum uh, right here with talking about how, you know, he thought cryptocurrency would normalize into society, but it's kind of going the other way that the rest of the world is sort of starting to move into cryptocurrency rather than cryptocurrency becoming more normal. And uh, mm. as well as we've seen you know, in the financial you know, story, obviously there was 2008 was like a big, you know, turning point. And then we've had coronavirus recently and the GameStop stuff and all the, all those kind of things, you know, it is, it is going on all the time. Right. So this is sort of the, the, uh, main topic that we're getting to, but we've, we've sort of touched on a few points is that I wanted to talk about how, how cryptocurrency adoption happens and how any, let's say relative to a government currency, and then also relative to each other in some sense. So why Bitcoin Cash might accumulate more um, support over, over time in the long run than uh, Bitcoin or then Ethereum or why any of them might outcompete each other. It all kind of comes down to these fundamentals, right? So the first group that you need when you're running a cryptocurrency uh, is you need some miners because uh, <laughs> if you don't have them, well, that's what it's all like that's where the transaction processing happens. If you don't have any miners, you don't have a network, basically. I mean, uh, people who are listening who are very invested might say, well, there's proof of stake. There's, okay, there's a lot of different uh, things, but let's just say fundamentally you need some uh, miners for proof of work coin like uh, Bitcoin Cash. Uh, and what what's the incentive for them to be involved? Well, luckily you, that's, that's, that's baked in, right? The miners are the ones who get rewarded with the new Bitcoin Cash. So of course people... Uh, start mining it and then that you know that incentive continues as the coin trades around more and more people want to mine it uh, and it just goes from there right so there's not really any effort needed to be spent by the community 
on getting a lot of miners because the whole system is, is set up. That was the genius of Bitcoin that Satoshi set up was that, okay, those people at least are going to be, they're in it, they're in it to win it. Like either way, they're not, uh, they're investing their time and effort and money into doing this. So they're not just going to give up and rack off somewhere else uh, willy nilly, right? At the very least, that that's the core of it. Okay, so the second thing you need uh, is developers, right? And this is a very important point because uh, unlike um, unlike a, a fiat currency, well, I guess they have some infrastructure in the sense of they have like, you know, whoever's at the Reserve Bank or whatever that is uh, at the US Fed that is sort of, they need economists basically to manage their currency and keep it all <laughs> flowing around smoothly and who knows, you know, to tweak the levers or whatever in their system. But in a cryptocurrency, you need to have uh, developers because there's been this sort of intersection of money and code, which is obviously a very uh, modern you know, thing as well. But the, the developers matter a lot more than I think in the long run, people are going to give them credit for because as Bitcoin Cash spreads around, the developers are generally quite low visibility uh, in a, an ICO or in some sort of, you know, uh, early stage crypto. Everybody's very excited about who's the developer and this guy is a genius coder and that, that, this, that and the other. But the developers are running your currency in the, in the literal sense of they're the ones keeping the network online. They're doing the bug fixes and updates. Uh, and also... Well, they're doing the bug fixes and updates at the core level. They're also building a lot of the infrastructure. So you have the network, but then you've got to have a wallet. You've got to have integration with businesses. You've got to have, you know, new products like that. Any hedge that we saw so that you can do different things. They're, they're responsible for all of that. And that's not yeah. necessarily focused on by, uh, by the community. Or I think it's important that Bitcoin Cash uh, for the health of the community maintains a strong uh, focus on that. And that's why in some other episodes I've talked about the different node implementations uh, and Bitcoin Cash is doing quite well on that front where it has five or six node implementations where Bitcoin Core only has one, um, which both means that there's less central control over it because there's different groups of people involved, but it also means, you know, uh, more heads is better than one, right? Like, yeah, you know, amongst themselves, if they can coordinate and organize and uh, build in protocol updates. It doesn't, nobody just rams anything through. It has to, it has to be a good idea because otherwise people will have objections and changes and so on and so forth. So, so how do you get developers involved with your coin? Right, well, the most direct way is you just pay them to do it. So that's what crowdfunding uh, kind of comes into it. And in the early days of Bitcoin, it was, uh, of both Bitcoins, it was basically just a passion project, right? So that's what I was saying about Mike Hearn before, and Gavin Andreessen, and some of these uh, developers, even Satoshi, you know, him or herself, uh, it sort of comes to, it, it's just cool. Cryptocurrency is just cool. So there's no surfeit of developers in the entire cryptocurrency economy as a whole. Developers will just find yeah. it and be like, I want to be involved. This, this rocks. This is so cool. This is cutting edge. It's different. It's obviously permissionless so people can just get involved. So there's going to be a lot of developers in the scene. But the, the key point is you want them working on your currency, not somebody else's currency. That's the real uh, battle. So the crowdfunding is obviously one way to do it where you just pay them in your currency and they get excited about it. Um, and for Bitcoin Cash, they've got this thing called Flipstarter, 
which is uh, basically like Kickstarter, except it all runs directly on Bitcoin Cash with no overhead um, from Kickstarter themselves. And one of the guests that I had uh, recently, might have even been the last episode, was this guy, uh, Jonas. Shout out to uh, Jonas. Sure, he's probably listening. Um, and he, he, he has just been doing that. He's just doing a flip starter to be doing more work on uh, developing products for um, Bitcoin Cash. So I think Bitcoin Cash have, have done uh, doing a good job on that uh, front. The second one, obviously, is that you want to have like jobs. So if you have a cryptocurrency based economy um, or you are a cryptocurrency company, then you hire some developers, let's say like Coinbase or any of the big exchanges. Obviously, they hire developers. Um, but if, uh, if, if an exchange hires developers, they're going to hire a spread of them to work on all the different currencies so they can plug into every part of the ecosystem. But if you have a very strong economy going on in your particular currency, which is specific to your currency, then you can get developers that get interested and invested in being involved uh, specifically on your currency and becoming experts in that. And they're very, very uh, valuable as opposed to just mercenaries that they do a little bit of work and then you know they don't really believe in the project and then they switch over to the equivalent on some other uh, currency. And then obviously cool tech, right? Is you don't, you don't necessarily, there's a balance. You don't necessarily want your currency to be the most, we're adding in a thousand different things every different day because that sort of instability is bad for other parts of the uh, ecosystem. But you do want to have some aspect of innovation, research, being on the cutting edge, uh, trying out new things and keeping the platform open to that sort of experimentation or updating because uh, developers... <laughs> they, they, money is not the the be all and end all. They do also like just to work on um, work on certain projects, you know, just because it's fun for them, right? Yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts about uh, any of this uh, so far. Like, you might even know having knowing quite a few developers, right? Uh, yeah, uh, uh, th that seems to me to be the one of the limiting factors, at least. Uh, because even if we, even if you convince me totally to just sink ten grand into Bitcoin Cash right yeah. now, I wouldn't know how to do yeah. it. <laughs> and like, I, I, I don't know if this exists, but it's weird that I don't know it exists. That I can just go somewhere and enter my credit card details and get it, yeah. and just like run with that. Uh, the fact that's still a bit of a runaround is. I, I mean, I, I think know, that's always going to be a bit of a. Exactly. A runaround, right? It's an interesting aspect to it that um, obviously it is kind of difficult to get into cryptocurrency. But the 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 real there's two there's two main reasons for that. One reason is because uh, it's new, so obviously anything that's new is more uh, you know less developed. It, it doesn't have all the infrastructure. But the second reason is actually not cryptocurrencies. Well, and that's just solved by time, right? That's not really an inherent you know property of uh, Bitcoin Cash or of any other cryptocurrency. And as we've seen now, let me tell you, buying a cryptocurrency now is a million times easier than it was eight years ago. Yeah. Right? So that's all the time is gradually fixing that problem. But the other part of the problem is the, the, the interface is the choke point between cryptocurrency and fiat currency. And that's because the fiat currency system sucks. <laughs> you know, once you have cryptocurrency, yeah. getting any other cryptocurrency takes about five seconds. <laughs> but uh, having... After you know, I said it, I realized, honestly, I wouldn't know how to get other fiat currency. Well, yeah. <laughs> you have to go to a bloody travel 
marketplace currency conversion thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, and I mean, that's, and so that's kind of uh, uh, an interesting aspect to it, which is that as the cryptocurrency economy has just been exploding off in its own little bubble and there's still that choke point of people going through from one side to the other, then sort of that's people get uh, interested for one reason or another, but hopefully they buy a little bit or they switch over and then suddenly they discover like it's like the whole world opens up because people are not buying into cryptocurrency thinking about, oh, what about, you know, like any hedge we were talking about or different apps or things that I could do. That's not even coming into their mind. They're buying it for... Mm. some other different reasons but then once you've got some you start sort of thinking oh wait so now you're looking into it you just go oh there's this business or there's this technology i didn't know about this so this is cool or this is going and, and so that's why another reason why people get into cryptocurrency and then they don't get out of it because once you get into it there's a lot going on um, oh yeah yeah a lot of reasons to like it yeah okay so who's the next group of people that could be involved so this is speculated so these are the lowest value people on this list i have them at the third not because they're the third most important but because in this uh progression they're quite important to talk about which is that they tend to be the third group of people after the miners and the developers who get involved which is uh related to what we were saying before about bitcoin um versus bitcoin cash as to um you know who who has who who is in which community because bitcoin core is so focused on the price which is basically what store of value is is we want the price to go up uh because they're focused on that they're attracting a lot of people who are in it basically for speculation to sit and watch the price yeah. uh go up and those people are terrible well they're not terrible it's inevitable that you have some people in your economy like that either because they're at that phase of their cryptocurrency adoption and down the road they'll start thinking oh can i actually use this or you know, that's just a phase people go through. But you now it's funny, you say they're low value, which is totally true. But um, when I look at that list of everything else, no, no, no other group there actually generates news relevance. <laughs> so like well, maybe. miners and developers, there aren't stories about those. A business starts adopting Bitcoin, maybe like there's a new Bitcoin AP ATM, you might get a news story. But when Bitcoin breaks 50K, it's like, all over the news everywhere that's and that's when millions and millions of people are looking at it at a time so uh, and that's all the speculators um yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's their effect or or the fact people care about what they think um one of those things is actually a huge might be a huge driver of adoption yeah i mean i'm not saying they have no place in the in the uh in the economy i think they're very very useful like you're saying but the the key point is that those speculators that might all pile into Bitcoin, well, they can all pile into Bitcoin Cash next week, right? Because they have no particular, if the allegiance is to, we're trying to make money, and you can see that you can go on Reddit, yeah. you can go on, uh, you know, slash cryptocurrency, or you can go on coinmarketcap.com. And the reason all those coins are rocketing around all the time is not because there's some huge amount of, um, you know, new tech, bit. I mean, there is as in aggregate, but one coin is not specifically outcompeting another on the fundamentals on any given day mm. it's just more like the hype cycle is flowing onto that um coin and all the people are rushing <laughs> in and out of uh different coins right so like bitcoin cash does not need to focus on attracting speculators because it will attract them naturally as as the as the base builds up underneath it then it sort of hits a critical tipping point of hype like you know elon musk says 
this is some cool tech. I'm going to buy some. And then all the speculators all pile in, right? And then that creates the uh, that creates the <laughs> the the visibility, like you like you're saying, right? So I think you 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 always have some speculators, and it's not bad to have them. It's probably better to have somebody holding a currency for speculation than not have them holding it. But the key is that you want to try and keep your ratio as high as what you don't want to be focusing on aspects that attract spec. Yes. Like you can make, that's what those ICO coins and stuff like that, that's what that was all about. It was about, can we make the yeah, flashiest yeah. video to attract the most speculators in the long term? And then one year later, that coin's dead or nobody's heard of it or whatever. Because all, it was like empty calories, you know, you're just pumping your ecosystem full of people that are going to leave at the first sign of trouble or who have no reason to stay besides the price going up. And that obviously doesn't mm -hmm. uh, carry on forever. Okay, so now we've got businesses. So uh, on the infrastructure side, so you know, cryptocurrency exchanges, payment processes, uh, things like Jonas was making with uh, you know, in the Bitcoin Cash ecosystem, you want to attract those uh, businesses and they have a bit of a different angle on it than others because for them, the pool of users is quite important. Obviously, a bigger cryptocurrency is more incentive to be involved, more potential customers. They're also maybe perhaps more friendly to regulation than any other group in this uh, category where they sort of want you know government oversight to a certain extent. Um, and they also, you know, but there is mitigation to that. They can just move to a different jurisdiction, especially with an internet-based type of platform. Uh, it's not necessarily that, uh, it's a problem, but it's not the end of the world to relocate. Uh, and so one thing that communities do want is they want a lot of uh, infrastructure support. And one way to get that, again, is sort of, oh, I guess maybe the speculators sort of contribute here. <laughs> if you have a lot of speculators, you're going to get a lot of uh, exchange volume and, and so on and so forth. So yeah. that can definitely help in that uh, respect. But you want to keep as well, it's sort of tight. I mean, every group is related to each other, right? But the developers are, are a big deal with the businesses because they can see, oh, look, like for instance, uh, currently Bitcoin uh, Core with the high fees and with the technological direction they've been taking has created a lot of grief for the exchanges because people buy Bitcoin and then they want to sell it and it costs them $10. And they say, why does this cost $10? What is this ridiculous fees? And they complain to support and then the support have to ameliorate to them. Oh, okay, this is... You know, this is how you got into this situation. I know you don't understand it, but there are good reasons for it. Blah, blah, blah. That costs them time and money to be dealing with all that. So you want to minimize that amount of hassle for your, uh, for the businesses, for the companies, because if you make their life difficult, well, in the end, they're going to make your life difficult by not listing your coin or uh, promoting another coin or, you know, I don't know, assigning more developers to work on on a good coin, which is doing good stuff for them rather than one that's just... A pain in the ass and just piss them all off you know so yeah so yeah. that's very that's another reason that low fees uh, are very important which is underrated i would say by the bbc core crowd is the second order effects that they don't realize it's, that if whether even just the transactions is enough on its own but once you factor in that the more friction you add in your system that spreads out everywhere in a million different ways so, okay, so now we've got businesses like merchants. So this is like McDonald's. You want to buy a burger. They're not trying to build the next greatest cryptocurrency. They're just trying to sell burgers. And, you know, currency being currency, one way to do it is to accept uh, Bitcoin Cash. To me, this is... Yeah, it seems like they would just follow Yeah, what's happening. Like, they'll be late adopters. That's right, yeah. yeah I, I don't see a great uh, need 
to really go out and, and push this angle. I don't mind if the Bitcoin Cash community, even though the marketing is to be cash and everything, I think they, yeah, they just adopt naturally. If everybody else is using that currency, they're just going to accept whatever's uh, available. So you can try and make it easy for them. It's good to have point of sales software, that sort of thing. But fundamentally... Unless, it, unless it's a signal, you know, unless they're signaling by doing it. So businesses will only do what's in their financial interest unless it's it's a brand thing or a signaling thing. And obviously the long run goal of that is to make more money. Mm -hmm. But uh, if it turns out that um, allowing or, or supporting Bitcoin Cash makes you appear like um, Ooh, cutting edge. a forward thinking business, yeah. a cutting edge, yeah, something like that, that yeah. might have an effect. But otherwise, yeah, I think you... Yeah, seems to me that uh, I, I wouldn't put it into my business, for example. <laughs> yeah, well, there you <laughs> go. I mean, it adds a lot of uh, a lot of stress at the moment. You've got to do about taxes differently. You've got to learn to get it set up. You've got to train your staff how to use it. And there's mm. not necessarily a huge pool of users, so you're not going to have flooding through the door Bitcoin Cash uh, users tomorrow. I mean, there is some aspect yeah. to that in the sense that, especially if you're an online business, you can accept it and then you can post in the Bitcoin Cash communities and people will be like, wow, this is really cool. And maybe you can build up a following uh, that way, but you're yeah. right. The incent uh, to me, the main thing is to spreading it to users, and then once you have a certain critical mass of users, the merchants kind of just follow along. So you don't even. There are cases like there. I'm not. I'm not uh, shitting on anybody that is focused on that because that is an important part of the community. It's not bad, um, but I also don't. You know, it, it needs to. It has specific niches. Like, for instance, if you wanted to do this kind of thing, a good idea, which. I've seen some people doing it, is you want to find one area and you want to focus like one block in a city and you want to get every business there on the game plan. That's a lot better than having one here, one there, one in the next city. You know, that you want to create a critical mass and a little hub because then the people who yeah. work at those businesses, well, maybe they get paid in Bitcoin Cash and then they can spend it at the shop next door because uh, that's how a local economy works. So there there's ways to tackle this problem, but I don't see it as being... Um, critical to the success uh, in the short run of the of the cryptocurrency but you know if, if for my, my business for example we, we if we plugged stripe in yeah. and all you had to do was go accept bitcoin cash accept bitcoin just click it tick boxes yeah. it'd be like why not i mean it's just more ways for people to pay you but that's more the payment processes infrastructure I yes guess. That, i mean that is that what you yeah, mean by that? And that, yeah that is that does happen right so yeah, again, like I was yeah. saying about Coinbase, you know, you could plug them into your site and if they hate <laughs> VC Core, which are having a lot of problems with that, uh, even if they're not advertising it, then, uh, you know, then, then they're going to make that more difficult. They're not going to show it as the default option or anything like that if they're just uh, shooting themselves in the yeah. foot. All right. And then finally, the last group, the biggest and uh, maybe most critical in one sense uh, group is the actual uh, users. So... You have the people who are holding it for the long term, who buy it, and it's kind of the speculator angle, except with maybe with a bit more insight that, okay, this is not, you know, if it's going up today or tomorrow or down or next week or whatever, not too worried about that. More like, well, in five years, this is going to be good, or in 10 years, or this is going to be the future yeah. of currency, so I should have some integrated into my life uh, to some degree. They're quite important, and that's, you know, that's one area where... I can't fault <laughs> Bitcoin Core is that 
that, that I mean, to some extent, they've done it to too much of an extent, but they've got the right idea in the sense of you want to have people who are committed to the currency for the long term, are thinking with that long term vision. Let's buy some and hold it, um, you know, because as that pool expands, that 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 is the bedrock for everything else, right? The price fluctuates up and down, but the speculators sort of are responsible for that top layer of volatility, and then the base is by you know these users and businesses that are holding the the currency and so that increases over time which is why the speculation goes like this but you can draw a solid line at which a point that it never falls back down because that uh mm-hmm. that that baseline is slowly building up over time and I, I think it's really important for bitcoin cash to try and uh you know build that same thing how are we doing for time by the way dude we can uh we've been going for a while but we can uh speed it up if um I, I will need to wrap up yeah, pretty soon. Okay, all right, all right. Let's just blast through a bit of this. Okay, so, uh, so I think you do want to try and get users. And again, low fees, important for users. Cool tech, important for users. All, all the kind of stuff we've talked about. So, so let's just blast through real quickly here then uh, why people get into cryptocurrency, right? So I've got a big a list of ideas here. And again, this is roughly the sort of order that it happens. So the first one is ideology, which is, if things, uh, the original Bitcoin supporters were all very libertarian focused or anarcho-capitalist, they had these political leanings, small government, this, that, and the other, right? That wasn't sustainable for the long term because you're not going to convert the entire world to one political ideology, but it provided the seed. It's like the seed funding <laughs> of the currency. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there's another ideology, uh, another line maybe there for like techno-optimist types. Yeah. Because uh, I'd put myself in that category, and the the reason I'm interested in it and would consider buying them is because, you know, to support these technologies that really could improve how the world works. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, actually. Yeah, yeah, I completely did not even think of that. Maybe, maybe I'm not so much in that category. Maybe I'm more in the ideological <laughs> camp. It, it hey, you've it. been a speculator. <laughs> <all right. laughs> it's all a scam. Uh, I mean, I put this one here of hipsters as well too, because I just I like the idea that. To some extent, I think this is pretty small, but to some extent, some people got in it just to be, oh, I was the sort of first mover. I think that's a different angle on that same idea, right? Is that some people, they like being on the cutting edge. They want to be, you know, and they say, oh, I was in it before it was cool. Uh, luckily, in this case, you can get rich off that rather than just getting bragging rights. So that's a good uh, aspect. Okay, so then once you've got that, obviously you've got greed. So the classic and speculators all pile in, but also, you know, the developers with the jobs and uh, funding, the miners, they're in it to make money. Um, businesses, they're obviously in it to make money. Everybody's in it to make money one way or another. And that's actually fine because greed is a very <laughs> reliable and powerful human force. So uh, you, can, you can put a lot of weight on people staying greedy uh, into the future. Uh, very effective method to get adoption. Uh, so then you've got solving real use cases, right? So this is again where Bitcoin Core may be struggling and Bitcoin Cash really putting a lot of emphasis is so like Silk Road and drug purchases, WikiLeaks with getting their donations. That was one of the original use cases like Kosovo, as you were saying before, that kind of uncensorable transactions or getting money into yeah. new places. Yeah. That's a real use case. If you're in Venezuela or Zimbabwe, your currency is hyperinflating. So having an uncontrolled currency is you know, uh, beneficial in that sense, or like in China, where you can only send certain amounts of money in or out of the country, you know, up to caps or with certain restrictions. Well, with cryptocurrency, you can get all around that. So if you have those use cases, that does, uh, that does get more people uh, involved in your, in your currency. And it's quite important to, to create those 
curiosity so obviously at a certain point people have just heard about it too many times and they think what is this all about i'm out of the loop they have a bit of a look and hopefully that uh, transitions into uh, either greed or solving a use case uh, or maybe ideology if they're so inclined um, and then you know they pick it up from there and then also you have uh, FOMO which is uh, just on the later half of the adoption curve at some point people realize wait I'm just I am the last one here like this is really bad everybody else is in on this they know about it especially if you talk about it and you say haha i don't really know about that and everybody else looks at you like really like then you know that that's pretty that's pretty powerful um, motivating force uh, for people and the thing is that is happening on a global scale but it only needs to happen in a community and it can happen one community at a time which is that one person is the first person to be, I'm all about this. And then the second person gets curious. And then the third person realizes, wait, there's five of us in this group and two are already keen. And they get keen. And then uh, the last people just naturally snowball. So for me, I think the focus, the point of this podcast again is about education because if you, that, 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 that is the foundation of all of this is that if you understand all these kind of things, then you are going to become a, a more, you know, invested, uh, metaphorically and, uh, literally, uh, in, in the whole, in the whole project and, and how it's kind of going on. So yeah, that's, that's really it. So I think I've just got a few memes here for this episode. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I thought this is uh, quite good. So this first one is, uh, this guy, uh, saying, hi, my name is Jason. And then the other guy says, oh, nice to meet you, Jason. And there's a picture of the second guy and his brain is basically filled with cryptocurrency. You can't fit the guy's name Jason in there. So then he says, say Jarvis, want to hear about magic internet money? <laughs> it's just, it's just so true, right? As more and more uh, money, you know, sort of uh, occupies your space, you know, like we were talking about being hardcore and, and all that. I saw this, I just, I laughed. This is so true, you know? This yeah. is this is me, and it's the funny because in the last panel, you know, the joke is the other guy is a bit like put off, but one kind of aspect of this joke is that you could even have another slide where this guy in the blue shirt is then talking to a guy in the green shirt, and the guy in the blue shirt is the one with cryptocurrency in his brain, right? It's a viral mimetic idea, so uh, yeah. you know, it tr it transfers around like that. So people hear about cryptocurrency, and then they get invested enough, they sort of evangelize it. All right, we've got the second one here, which is about hodling, uh, which is at some point, cryptocurrency goes into a bubble and there's a bit of a rite of passage for everyone. So there was this Bitcoin talk uh, thread uh, way back in the day where this guy misspelled in the title because he was a bit drunk. He said he's, <laughs> he was on uh, whiskey, but uh, he misspelled hodling as the price was crashing and or as it was going up or whatever. It was just a lot of volatility. Uh, and so that became sort of a joke in the community about holding, you know, hodling the currency, like, doesn't matter. Is that where huddle came yeah, from? Yeah, so it's sort of like come hell or yeah, high okay. water. It's sort of the idea that I'm in it for the long yeah, term. Yeah. And I, I just, this made me laugh as well. There's this photo of uh, Megan Fox. Um, and this is a picture of her looking pretty uh, geeky or, or whatever in high school. And then, you know, she turned into this, like, world-famous world celebrity for... Um, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, good looks and everything like that and just 
it's it's just it's just you know i mean obviously this is a bit of a ridiculous example and some people are going to find that funnier than others right but the it's just the idea that you know it pays off in the long run and that was kind of what i was talking yeah, about long term, before yeah. like you, you've got to if you're in cryptocurrency for one week well it's probably 50 50 whether or not it goes your way but if you're in it for five years chances are pretty close you know 99.9 percent that you're doing you're doing pretty good so uh yeah yeah well if it if it ever gets anywhere near you know global reserve currency in your lifetime then that's it's just going to be if you had a cent of it now yeah <laughs> that's that's yeah. it exactly that's, it's really about that long yeah yeah and that that's why i bought my um the crypto i did it was i really intended just to hold it because i knew the guys and everything and that's turned out quite well so yeah well, there you go. You know, you haven't been uh, put off. That's good. <laughs> good to see. You're still, still here. Still part of it. And then, yeah, this uh, third one is. I thought this was funny because I was looking this up. It's this uh, meme from I don't know when is this? Like the fifties or something like this. But this sort of art of the dad sitting on the couch and his daughter is sitting on his lap. She says, "What is you? What did you do?" It was about the war, I think, the original yeah. one. Where were you during the war? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And he says, "What did you do during the coronavirus, dad?" And he says, "Bought more bitcoins." Right. And then his son playing on the floor says, "Fucking legend." <laughs> And I think that, you know, that to me, that's what it's about. I looked this up because I remember I couldn't find it, but uh, about five or six years ago, there was this meme and it was like this. And the girl is saying, uh, why didn't you buy Bitcoin, dad? And then uh, maybe he just had like three dots or something. It was like, there wasn't really any good comeback to that, which is that, wait, yeah, like, yeah. I was out of the loop, you know, so-and-so, somebody else, somebody else, you know, did get involved or they knew about it. But I, I was that guy that 20 years ago wasn't, wasn't on the board or I wasn't uh, with it. Um, and I just, I think that that's what it is. I sort of see it as we're going to global currency and maybe people uh, understand, maybe it's not even Bitcoin cash, right? But one way or another, cryptocurrency is pretty unstoppable force as a collective, I would say. And so it's really just about uh, as people understand that, you know, they get more and more involved, uh, involved themselves really. So yeah. Final note is just uh, on Reddit this morning, you present underscore turn 7021, who I don't know who that is, but happy birthday, turning uh, 30. I just saw a bit of a Bitcoin cash uh, cake, which looks super tasty. And I was very impressed uh, about that. We've had food on the show before. There was uh, biscuits, I think, on a previous episode. And I just really like this as this is just, it's a classic case. Somebody's got to be pretty interested for somebody else to think I'll make their birthday cake themed about that, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. And it's just those cute kind of things that, that that's what a community should be about rather than, you know, all the price and speculation, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. So that's, that's pretty much, uh, all I, all I had for today. So yeah, we can have, uh, you know, you can donate to the show if you want. I think I'm also going to maybe start a Patreon. Um, this is a bit of an experiment. I'm not convinced that anybody is going to sign up for it, but I didn't think anybody was going to donate, and then they did. So I'm going to give it a go. I don't know what the rewards are going to be at this point. I think I'll just have one $5 tier maybe, and the reward will be <laughs> that you get a shout-out at the end of the show or something like that. But uh, I'm going to start that and just see if anybody signs up. If nobody does, <laughs> well, I'll just let it drop. That's fine. Um, and yeah, do you want to do you want to give any shout outs, Matt? Anything you want to say to the Bitcoin Cash community now or in the future? Uh, I don't know. Uh, well, I got a, a question for yeah. you. I mean, 
what, how, what's the easiest way for me to get some right now? Uh, well, it depends where you are. You're in uh, Canberra, Australia. The easiest way for you to get some is I'll send you some. Uh, right, right <laughs> after this show, I'll, I'll, I'll send yeah, you some. Yeah. The second easiest way if you want to get a you know, more substantial amount is uh, there is an exchange in Australia called btcmarkets.net that I will put you onto that you can uh, look up and get involved with them. Um, but yeah, I mean, the easiest way to get cryptocurrency is ask someone to pay you with it. Uh, you know, at your job, say, pay me, yeah. pay me in Bitcoin cash, please, and then let them sort it out. Uh, you know, that's the that's the end goal, right? You get you get you get paid money for working. That's where you get money. Um, so that that is one way. But yeah, I mean, there's there's uh, local solutions. It does depend on your area. But I'll I'll put you onto onto something with that. Uh, all right. Well. All right. Cool. Great. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah. We'll uh, leave it there. And uh, thank you for listening. Uh, until next time.